As we begin our devotional, if you would, open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. I'm sure many of you have thought uh, a similar thought as I have as you uh, think about uh, our lives, the, the environment that surrounds us, the, the news that happens day to day. That whether you think about the change from this year to last year or this year to five years ago or a decade ago or numerous decades ago, you think and you wonder what is happening in the world around us. Uh, what decisions are being made and, and where are we going and it, it doesn't seem good. Well, that's, a, that's an issue that has plagued humanity throughout. Romans chapter 1, if we look at verse 20. Paul writes and he says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness. In the day that Paul wrote to Rome, that was the context that they were facing. People although they knew about God, although the concept of God, although the evidence or the characteristics were there, they chose not to follow God. I want to take a look at Romans, but I also want to think about and give to us some aspects of encouragement. So I want to do that through an example and then talk about some of the content in that example and then some of the usefulness that we can have in our lives as we go forward. In 2019, the city of Austin is estimated to be the 11th largest city in the United States, with a population right at 1 million people. How amazing would it be if we were to push the pause button on the lives and the happenings of 1 million people? Here we have the city of Austin, all the hustle and the bustle. We know some of the good things, and we also know many of the bad things that happen in the city that surrounds us. But what if we could push that pause button? And what if we could teach them about God? Teach them about God's word. Teach them about hope and a message that can change their lives. That would be incredible. But even more incredible would be, what if those one million people who we paused their life and wanted to show to them God in the Bible, what if those one million people wanted it, were asking for it, were looking for it? Well, in 2019, a video that World Video Bible School produced, nine discoveries that confirmed the Bible. In 2019, this video was watched 1.1 million times. That's over 3,000 times per day, over 130 times per hour. We're talking almost 5 million minutes of a message about God and about his word. And so that is an example of encouragement. 
that in the world around us, there are one million people, at least, who are searching for something that is godly, that is Bible-based. And in fact, here is one of the responses that, that we received in the office regarding this video. The man said, this video was great. Never heard of any of the findings. Is there a museum that has any of these things? All right, in this video, Nine Discoveries That Confirm the Bible, Kyle Butt goes through and discusses various physical evidences. The goal was, in a similar fashion to the fact that at the back of our auditorium, we have the Back to the Bible study booklets, which are wonderful, which are great for personal Bible studies. But what if the person doesn't fully know about the Bible doesn't fully recognize it as legitimately God's word, what do we do? Where do we go? Well, at least in 2019, there was over a million people searching for something along those lines. Is the Bible God's word? And here are nine evidences, okay? We just want to talk about the content very briefly, just so that you have them in your mind as well. The first discovery, the pilot inscription, uh, is an artifact that accounts, recounts uh, Pilate, Pontius Pilate, and it says that he was the prefect of Judea, exactly what the New Testament describes Pontius Pilate. Discovery number two is Hezekiah's tunnel, and I know in the Wednesday night Bible classes we have in recent times gone through and discussed some of these, uh, some of these scenarios in history, and we have the king Hezekiah, and in Second Chronicles, it gives to us the description of the building of a tunnel when there was a siege by Sennacherib. Today, you can go and you can see the tunnel uh, there in the land of Israel, outside of Jerusalem, a physical, long, what I understand, very cramped, very confined. If you're claustrophobic, you don't want to go down this tunnel. Uh, Wading through water, you can walk through history to see exactly what the Bible described. In 2 Chronicles 32, verse 1, uh, we, we read of, of, of a history, and that physical history from 2 Chronicles is recounted on what is called the Taylor Prism. This Taylor Prism is found in the British Museum, and it talks about the circumstances that, that correspond with Hezekiah and Sennacherib and the siege that was laid there. Discovery number four the Tel Dan inscription or the David inscription, uh, a physical artifact in the Israel Museum in Jerusalem that talks about King David, that describes David being king. And as we have discussed tonight in the adult Bible class, David is a central figure in Old Testament, in the land of Israel, in the times of Israel, in obedience and faithfulness to God. And so we have physical evidence of his existence. In 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 23, uh, it talks about uh, Mesha, the king of Moab. It also talks about Omri being the king of Israel. Here is a three-foot-high uh, black marble stone uh, inscribed by Mesha, the king of Moab, talking about his dealings with Israel and King Omri. Uh, this is in the Louvre in Paris. Discovery number six, uh, the idea that Nazareth, uh, there was a book written just a 
less than a decade ago talking about how Jesus of Nazareth could not have ever existed because Nazareth never existed in the first century. Nazareth did exist, and in actually just recent years, they have been excavating houses from first century time period there in the region and the city of Nazareth. In Ezra chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, it talks about a king of a foreign country, the the king of Persia, King Cyrus. And it talks about how Cyrus had uh, a, a guideline for how he, when they conquered other kingdoms, his guideline for how he dealt with these other uh, subjugated people and how he granted to them their worship of their God. He allowed them to build and to have their own facilities. And we see in Ezra that exact circumstance playing out when they are able to go back to their homeland to rebuild the walls, to rebuild the temple, to worship their God. Here on this Cyrus cylinder, it recounts some of his laws and, and how He dealt with people, exactly how the Bible described it. In Jerusalem, there is a region that has been excavated, now known as the Pool of Siloam. If you turn to the New Testament, you find descriptions of the Pool of Siloam. You find Jesus telling people to go and wash in the Pool of Siloam, and it's a place that you can visit even today. Actually, in recent years, some of the ancient steps leading down into it have been excavated, uh, showing their antiquity. And then one final discovery, uh, dealing with the Hittite nation. In Joshua chapter 11, there's a reference to the Hittites. Actually, in the Kings that we were reading tonight, 1 Kings chapter 9, there's a reference to the Hittites. Um, For a long time, there was no, no physical evidence of the Hittites other than what the Bible talked about. Today, there are over 10,000 tablets from the nation or the kingdom of the Hittites. We know where their, their capital was. We have inscriptions, uh, from their writings and their rules. Uh, Most of them are in uh, the museum there in Ankara, Turkey. All right, very briefly, what we just looked at were nine physical, tangible discoveries relating to Old Testament, New Testament, uh, kings outside of, kings inside of. We're talking inscriptions and tablets and cylinders and places and locations, and these are just nine. There are dozens, if not hundreds, of other examples for this same idea. So I was excited to write back to that gentleman who said, I have never heard of these evidences that show this to be God's word. Do they exist today? And I was able to write back and give him the list in the British Museum, in the Louvre, in the Jerusalem Museum, in Ankara, Turkey, among other places These artifacts exist today, and so you can be confident in what the Bible says. There are people searching, and we need to be able to point to them and to discuss things to drive them into God's word. But if you'll turn back to Romans as we quickly finish... Romans chapter 1 verse 16, a few verses ahead of where we just read, tells us that I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. For the Jew first and also for the Greek, for in it is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, that is, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Where does Paul say that the power is? The power is in God's word. These evidences, they're nice to have. 
They're a tool for us to have today to drive somebody, to point them into the word. But, but knowing about these tablets, seeing the tablets or the cylinders or the places in real, real life or in person, that doesn't save you. But it can open up God's word and reveal things that you need to follow. And so in Romans, we find that the power of God, the power of salvation is in God's word. Romans 1 verse 16, you have to hear it. Romans chapter 10 and verse 10 tells us that with the heart one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You hear the word, you believe the word, you put it into your heart and that drives you. Romans chapter 6 verse 1, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? The word drives you to repent, to set sin aside, not to live in it anymore. To confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Romans chapter 6 tells us that do you not know that as many of you as were baptized into Christ baptized into his death. You were buried with him through baptism just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so, we also should walk in newness of life so that we are able to put our lives into his death so that we can then die to sin, rise to walk in newness of life. And then one last verse to consider in the book of Romans where we, we think about salvation. we We see Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We sit in Austin, Texas, a place that is very liberal-minded, loose in terms of the scriptures, very free in terms of worldliness, And the Bible says that we can have all of the evidence to have the power of God in our lives and then tells us when we enact obedience to the gospel to live and not be conformed but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. There are people out there searching and I hope that some of this information will allow you to open up their minds to at least study the Bible and then once you have them into the Bible you show them the power of God's word. If you have any need to obey the gospel tonight or the prayers of the congregation, please come as we stand and as we sing our invitation song.